Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that uses memory-based adaptive learning to get you better results in less time. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. And today I've got Lawrence Linker from MBA Link with me. Lawrence, would love for you to introduce yourself and your firm. Sure. Thanks so much, Tyler. So I'm Lawrence Linker. I am an American living in Singapore for the last uh, 10, almost 11 years. Uh, about eight years ago, I started uh, an MBA admissions consulting firm called MBA Link. Uh, the name of the firm is MBA Link. The website is mymbalink.com. Sometimes people say my MBA Link for referring to the fir- referring to the firm, but no, the firm is called <laughs> MBA Link. Um, but MBAlink.com is not available. So <laughs> I added the mind there. Uh, we specialize in uh, admissions consulting primarily for applicants from Asia applying to top tier schools in the US and Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. And we uh, are unique in a couple of ways. We bring an executive coaching process into admissions consulting and, and sort of fashion ourselves as our, uh, our uh, applicants' first executive coach. We also use a team-based process that pairs each applicant with five different consultants to help them work on different areas of their application and give them a really well-rounded 360-degree view on their application from uh, the perspectives of a variety of team members, which I think our applicants find find really helpful. That's very cool. Yeah, and it makes you a great person to talk today about our uh, our topic that's i think pretty like specific to you really uh which is how asian applicants should position and message their applications to us and eu business schools um i think that in particular you know i my i i am you know a white dude in california uh, but i have heard through other podcast episodes i've recorded etc that you know the difference in culture, like particularly going into Western business schools, is that they're looking for, you know, extracurriculars and like, what do you do outside of work and, and things like that, whereas in maybe those are less emphasized in Asian cultures. Do you feel like that's true? And then what are kind of the other things that people need to watch out for? That's absolutely true. I, I mean, the cultural divide in this aspect is really massive and it can't be understated um, how deep it goes, uh, right? So I think a lot of uh, times, <laughs> you know, I've worked with, uh, uh, and, and my firm has worked with a tremendous amount of applicants from Asia at this point. And um, I think there's oftentimes the case where, you know, applicants will sort of come in and go like, yeah, yeah, I know, I got to like brag more and talk about myself more, you know? And they mm-hmm. go like this, right? And then, you know, I think they're often surprised. We're like, no. Like that's like still like that's twenty percent of what of what we need. <laughs> you know, wow. there's a big big difference because you got to understand and and it's interesting. So Asia is, I mean, Asia is a big place, right? So oftentimes we talk about yes. Asia, but we're talking about a massive, uh, you know, the majority of the population of the world, thousands of languages and cultures, but really throughout Asia. Um, kind of, you know, humility, uh, is, is really like valued almost throughout the entire, you know, all the cultures of, of the continent. And, um, if you look at the Asian undergrad experience, it's really, really very test based. 
So whether you're in China, Korea, India, um, the way to get into the top, top schools is to get the best test score. Um, the IITs of India, the Indian Institute of Technology, which are the top, top schools uh, in India, probably the, probably the most selective academic institutions in the world in terms of the number of people applying to them uh, versus the amount of people that they accept and how hard it is to get in. It's 100% based on a test score. There's no mm -hmm. essay. It's, wow. they, know how, they know how many people that they can admit, and they draw a line, they go right down, they rank everybody who took the test, they draw a line, and they go, if you got above it, you're in, if not, you're out. So wow. it's just not a part of the culture, um, you know, in most of the cultures out here to really think about anything but, but test scores. Whereas, you know, I, I think in the U.S., we're really like... Um, sort of the best at this, right? We we're all raised to believe that we're, we're each of us is a special snowflake with our own, you know, value and worth and that, you right. know, we're all the we main can do anything. <laughs> exactly. We're all the, we're all the protagonists, right? So, um, you know, Americans often think like, yeah, I can do it. I'm cool. I'm this, I'm that. And, and you know, and sometimes you listen and you go, oh, okay, I don't know. But, um, you know, I think that uh, we need to find a little bit of a middle ground for a lot of the Asian applicants because they're just not used to talking about themselves in those terms. Yeah. And so what what is sort of, I guess, first, like some things to watch out for, right? And then what kind of advice do you give to overcome those? I don't want to say like prejudices. It's not the right word, but it's like kind of like a pre pre-existing like sort of way that you do things right you're humble by default like how do you how do you help people kind of get over that at least long enough to write their essays yeah i think uh well first of all there, you know prejudice might not be the wrong word because i think that there's certainly um the possibility that that there's some prejudice that exists in the the application um you know, process that needs, that probably doesn't hurt to sort of address head on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we saw that certainly with, you know, the lawsuit against Harvard and Asian applicants from within the U.S. being ranked very low on uh, what they call like the personality score, right? Um, right. And, and that's why Harvard's not, you know, 50% Asian, which, you know, frankly, if, it, if they admitted just sort of based on test scores that, you know, they would be. Um, so there is a combination of, I think, a, a reality that a lot of the Asian applicants are, are not as, um, you know, focused on putting forth the intangible uh, qualities of their application. And then maybe a bit of a, a, of a prejudice as well, that um, admissions committees are looking at Asian applicants, first of all, saying like, wow, there's a lot of them, right? How do I manage this situation where I have so many uh, applicants with really good scores from coming from from Asia or even or even um, Asian ethnicities within uh, the United, United States and other Western countries. So the Asian applicants are actually a little shy, and there is a little bit of a prejudice that the admissions people say, "Well, there's so many Asian applicants, and they kind of all look the same to me." Right, which is a whole yeah, that's their prejudice, right? These are very different people. Um, I think that it's it's important, right? I think it, I I agree with you that acknowledging it is 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 an important step, and I think that you know when you're applying to U.S. schools, 
and even European schools too, um, you've got to kind of speak the language of, of the people that you're applying to. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, so it's, that's kind of the nicest way to put all of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? No, I, I think that's, a, I think and I, I'm so glad you said that Tyler, actually, cause that's like a, a really important thing. Right. So one of the things that I tell, uh, I tell a, a lot of the applicants that we work with is remember that you're applying to a U.S. or, or, or European school. Right. Um, and a big one is, is, is INSEAD, right? Because a lot of Singaporeans, they want to apply to INSEAD because they say INSEAD, well, INSEAD is a Singaporean school. They have a campus in Singapore. No, mm -hmm. no, my friend. INSEAD is a French school with a campus right. in Singapore. Trust me. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and the French and, have very different priorities, maybe. I mean, I don't know uh, I don't know Singapore culture too well, but French culture, I mean, lots of uh, wine and cheese and probably <laughs> vacations, right? I don't know. I'm just teasing. I'm a quarter French. Don't, uh, don't cancel me. Well, but. they say, they say, so, so I, 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 I'm quite familiar with INSEAD. I used to work for INSEAD, actually. And oh, uh, they say um, INSEAD actually stands for I Never Stop Eating and Drinking. So that should give oh, you uh, <laughs> that should give you an idea of the culture, <laughs> the culture there. Right. Well, and and frankly, that's the other part of it too. Is like you know, if you've literally kind of been living in this like test only rigorous environment, maybe you weren't you know socializing all that much. That's part of the reason why you're a top applicant coming from Asia. But now it's like, oh, I'm going to a place where weirdly, like these people. It doesn't feel like they're working as hard, right? Or at least not to what you're used to. And mm. so it's important to recognize going in that, like, it is going to be a little bit of a culture shock in that way. But it's also, like, for better or for worse, a lot of business is about the post-work life, right? Yeah. And it's about, it's about sort of the connections that you make and the relationships that you make. Um, and usually those relationships are a little easier to make over some wine, than <laughs> spreadsheets. Um, now, when you're thinking about, um, so, I mean, you've got to kind of like understand going in, you've got the culture shock element a little bit, but when you're, when you're a, a great applicant from Asia, what are you doing to kind of start positioning your resume to look, to be more attractive to Western schools? Is it as simple as, well, time to go figure out some extracurriculars? Is it just like working on your voice with your essays and, and working on bragging more? Like what are the pieces that are really important? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the advice that you would, I would give to uh, an Asian applicant, applicant is the same as, as you give anyone for resume and stuff, right? So like, for example, make sure that you're listing your achievements, not your responsibilities, right? Mm. Um, Make sure that you leave room for things like extracurriculars and things that, you know, make you uh, more well-rounded and, and, and more interesting as a, as a person. I think where the um, Asian applicants can really differentiate themselves, particularly from other, other Asian applicants, which is their primary uh, competition, is going to be in the essay and, and the interview. Mm -hmm. And because um, that's really their opportunity to be able to speak more clearly about who they are as as a person, and um, I think that there's a balance to strike here between. I think I think a little bit of bragging is helpful. I think not being afraid to brag a little bit is is going to help you in your application uh, if you're a very shy person. So it's sort of just getting over that hump and saying, "Hey, 
this is a process of me selling myself to a school. I got to be prepared to sort of uh, to sort of sell a little bit, okay? But right. then you know the the goal isn't to sort of like try to hammer people over with how how great you are, but rather just talk about who you are as a person. And uh, one of the things that we do is we use uh, personality tests, right? So we give our applicants personality tests so that we can start a conversation about you know who are you. And I will mm-hmm. give you um, I'll give you uh, I'll tell you a little secret. I think that these personality tests are absolute astrology. Right. They, 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 I don't believe in them. You know, if, yeah, if Myers- like it's just, it's the Myers Briggs is, is just astrology for MBAs, right? A hundred percent, right? But what it does, because it doesn't tell you anything, I, I think it doesn't really tell you anything uh, really, um, how do you say, uh, highly measurable and reliable. But what it can do is, give you the opportunity to start having a conversation about your personal qualities that are deeper than, you know, being hardworking and being really smart. Right. So, right. Yeah. And, and, and like I, as somebody who I, I remember Myers Briggs came out when I was an undergrad and my friends were really excited about it for a couple of months. And the thing about it is like, you know, you've got like introvert versus extrovert and a few other things. Right. And, you know, thinking versus judging and stuff like that. And the the key is that it's not black and white. Like, you're not, like, a T or a J and that's it. It's it's more to say, like, you're probably somewhere if, like, a zero is a T and a hundred is a J, you're somewhere at, like, 65 or whatever. And so it's just a framework to kind of think about yourself. And, you know, the the key with the business school or just, like, a job is that you know you're going to bring these qualities and maybe that quality is being thoughtful and problem solving maybe that quality is being really good at making a decision right maybe the quality is that you're really good at taking everybody's point of view into account right like these are things that you don't really put on like it's not like a resume line item like everybody thought I was really helpful at meetings cuz I listened to everyone like it's it's more the kind of stuff that comes out in the essay, but I think it's still like it's it it can be a helpful exercise. Whatever you and your MBA admissions consultant and or family members want to do, but definitely think about it. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, the the tool that I like uh, best for this is StrengthsFinder. So uh, StrengthsFinder is a very popular uh, uh, test used to help people, you know, figure out what are their what are their strengths, right? And so we give all of our clients the StrengthsFinder test, and then lead a discussion with them about what StrengthsFinder says is their top five strengths. And they're hap- and and we welcome for them to disagree. If there's a strength that mm-hmm. comes out, and they say, actually, I don't think this is one of my strengths, you know, we we discuss it with them. But the point is that we start having a conversation about um, some of these more nuanced, qualitative uh, aspects of of their profile. To give you an example uh, of my own, like, so I'm, um, one of my strengths is I'm an individualizer, right? Which Mm. means that I really connect with people on an individual level. I don't stereotype. Uh, I tend not to look at people, uh, you know, in groups or anything like that. And I just really, I take people as they are and I make my judgments about people from my experience of, of working with them. And I think that comes from the fact that I've lived in a tremendous amount of different circumstances. I've lived on three different continents for different uh, periods, uh, you know, many periods. 
I've been in environments where I've been surrounded by very wealthy people, and I've been in environments where I've been surrounded uh, by by quite um, impoverished people. And I've had a, the privilege of having a life that has really put me into a lot of different uh, cultural roles. And I think because mm -hmm. of that, it's very easy for me to see people as individuals and just take them as they are. And I think that this has been a massive uh, career opportunity for me because there's a lot of people who, after having a conversation with me, will say, you know, I feel like you really see me and hear me in a way that I don't usually get because being you know this way or that way in this environment and i think it's right. become an advantage to me i think that's the sort of thing that you can communicate in an, in a an essay that gives more richness and color to your application than just talking about you know sort of what you've achieved academically yeah and and that's so important because at the end of the day um like we, you know, we've talked about in in another episode, everybody that you're competing with is sort of the cream of the crop, right? Like, both from your own country where where you are applying from, and also you know from around the world. Um, so people don't just want to see like a one dimensional test master; they want to see a full person that they can kind of identify with. And also that they can um, that they can see thriving in their school. Yeah, and yeah, one thing to keep in mind maybe is if you want to be the one dimensional test master, wow, you better be the best, right? Because um, I think there's what like you know fifty to hundred kids who get uh, eight hundred on the GMAT every year. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know that's that's assume let's let's assume now I, I know that this isn't the case let's assume all those kids get their first shot at the top schools right so mm -hmm. that's already a hundred spots gone <laughs> right right so so if you have a, <laughs> yeah if you if you want to rely purely on your scores wow they better be good <laughs> right well and and honestly the other thing too is i mean um the bar is really, really high. Like, I think you said 740 GMAT is kind of the bar now for the M7 schools. The well, it's the, seven. it's the average. Or the it's average. the average scores. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, so you yeah. can You can and certainly you get above in. Average. You can certainly get in. No, you don't have to be above average. Because you can yeah. certainly get, get admitted with a below average score. It's average for a reason, right? So you can get yeah. admitted with a below average score, and you can get rejected with an above average score. So I think a lot of times people misinterpret that. Uh, also, I want to be clear about that because I think a lot of people misinterpret it where they say, okay, that's the bar. The average score is 740. I have a 750. I should get in. It doesn't work that way. You can easily have a 750 and get rejected. Or someone might say, the average is 740. I have a 690. I shouldn't even apply. That's also not true. You should apply. If you have a great story, you have great intention, you absolutely can get admitted with your 690. Yeah. So when so since the story component comes through the essay primarily, right, um, what is your recommendation to Asian students writing essays to Western business schools? And so what are the things that they should be thinking about, particularly as an Asian applicant? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say there's anything they need to think about, particularly as an Asian applicant. Uh, the, the, the objective of what they should be doing is the same as, as, as every applicant. Uh, it's just important to, to give the admissions committee 
the information that they need to make a decision about your profile. So mm-hmm. most applicants, in my opinion, get rejected because there's just not enough information there, right? So if you think of it like a like an investment, right? If I said to you, hey, Tyler, I've got this great opportunity. You can put some money into it and it, it's really going to grow. You might say to me, hey, Lawrence, all right, sounds good, but why don't you send me the prospectus or send me like some more information about it, right? And it, even if it sort of sounds great as a, as a headline, but if there isn't more information there, you're going to have to say no just because you're like, ah, look, I don't have enough information. It's too risky, right? So right. you need to use the essay to, to clarify why are you a good fit for the school that you're applying to, a good cultural fit? What abilities or aptitude do you have that's going to allow you to succeed at that school? What's your motivation for applying to that program and how does it align with the school's motivation for serving students like you? And what experiences do you have that you're going to be able to contribute to that, uh, that learning environment? If you, if you clearly articulate these four components into your application, then you've given the admissions committee the opportunity to make a good decision. It might not be the decision that you want. They might look at those four things and say, you know what? We have a sense for who this person is. We think they're a great applicant, but they're not the right fit for us. And that's okay. But at least you've given them the opportunity to admit you. Mm -hmm. And admit the true you, right? (laughs) Yeah, which is great. (laughs) I think we all would like to go to to school and, and, and be ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all great. I mean, I think that the the biggest thing that I took away from that really was was just that you should it's it's the opportunity to color in the lines between your resume bullet points, right? Um and I think that it, I'd love to explore that a little bit more, right? Like when you talk about kind of filling in those gaps, do you feel like the essay is best served to kind of add color to your professional life? Maybe you're picking a theme that you're weaving through it, like it's entrepreneurship or it's leadership or it's a passion about a certain field. Or is it more that because in undergrad and graduate admissions, oftentimes you don't even want to talk about school at all. You want to talk about like your kind of crazy, you know, thing that you did where, you know, you started a food a food bank in for after a hurricane or whatever. So wh- which direction do you tend to go uh, with the essay? In terms of like more personal or, or more professional? Like is, it, is it like, do you anchor it in like the, the professional experience or do you do something completely outside of professional experience? Well, so most MBA programs have, you have a couple different essays or, or in some cases one longer essay. So we, we'd like for, to see applicants sort of touch on, on both. Um, but the key thing is to be able to, again, clearly uh, sort of answer those questions, right? So wherever you find the answers to those questions most is going to be the most interesting. For example, uh, we had an applicant who spent a lot of time um, not as a soldier, as a consultant, like for like Deloitte, but in, um, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, supporting um, uh, the U.S. military, right? So this is a work experience that's certainly like very unusual and interesting, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about what it's like to be sort of like a number cruncher, you know, more or less on the battlefield, right? Um, this is something that you know a work experience you sort of have to have to talk about. Uh, other people may have interesting work experiences, but maybe their personal lives are just 
uh, a little bit more interesting or what they've done outside of work is, is a little bit more interesting. So then those applicants can focus on that. Right. So it's really just playing to your strengths in your own story then. Absolutely. Now, um, do you have any kind of parting thoughts or, or, or things that you want to make sure you covered on, on this topic, right? On, on the idea of how to get into Western colleges as an Asian applicant. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the uh, sort of uh, things that I, I uh, trends that I, I'm, I'm seeing, I would say, is that, um, you know, there's a shift. So, so rewind maybe like 20 years ago, right? And the vast majority of applicants from Asia applying to schools in the U.S. and Europe are doing so with the intention of relocating, right? Um, and it was uh, very common. Uh, it was almost like a bit of a joke. You know, people would say in their, in their uh, applications that, hey, I want to go to this school and come back and help my, you know, community and, mm -hmm. you know, almost 100% of them that could would just stay after they graduated. And right. in the last, you know, certainly in the last 10 years or so, we've seen that start to really change. Uh, a lot of Asian applicants are saying, hey, things are pretty good over here. You know, things are really growing. Uh, I think that these U.S. and European schools are still really good, but uh, I really am going to come back. <laughs> they really do want to come back and they want to launch their careers um, in, their, in their native land. So mm -hmm. I think that's great. We also are seeing a rise, I think, in the quality and competitiveness of the schools out here themselves, right? So uh, there was a time where I don't think anybody, you know, would seriously uh, consider going to, you know, even a top school in Asia if they got into, you know, a top school in the U.S. I think that's changing. I think there's a feeling mm -hmm. now where people are, you know, feel like maybe the the, the uh, benefit of um, building their network really from scratch out here, uh, you know, is, is a really good one. Um, that said, I think it's really important to remember that if you plan on spending some time in uh, the U.S. or Europe for, for school, uh, you should be open to embracing that culture. Um, don't look at it as something that, you know, you're just going to, um, you know, basically do what you have to do and pick up a degree come back with that degree. It's the wrong mindset. You should go because you want the opportunity to learn the way uh, people think and behave and do business in another part of the world and take that with you. So you should be prepared to change. Right. Well, and not to mention, um, you're going to be, it's, an, it's kind of a once, maybe not like once in a lifetime for everybody, but for a lot of people, it's, it's a very rare opportunity to pick up your whole life and move to a usually a very good like international city and you're going to make a whole new group of friends and you're going to meet a whole new group of people and generally speaking you're going to experience a whole new culture of that city right like going to school in Paris versus London versus New York City those are three very different places to go to, to go to graduate school right or to just live your life right and so take, think about this opportunity to really like enrich your own experience too. I, I like that framing a lot. And it's a great age to do it, right? Most of the MBA applicants are what, mid to late 20s? I mean, mm -hmm. what an exciting age to go off and experience a new place and a new culture and, and find yourself, 
right? I mean, uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I get jealous every time uh, I hear one of my <laughs> one of my applicants getting admitted because I wish it could be me doing that now. Right. It's a really cool opportunity, and I'm glad that you know people are getting this ability to take advantage of it coming from your area. That's very cool. Um, well, great. This has been Jerry Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Lawrence Linker from MBA Link. And Achievable has a great online Jiri course that you can try for free at achievable.me. And the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout.